Volume Three, Chapter Nine of Cecilia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christine Blashford. Cecilia, Memoirs of an Heiress by Frances Burney. Volume Three, Chapter Nine: A Victory. As not a moment was now to be lost, Cecilia had no sooner suggested this scheme than she hastened to St. James's Square to try its practicability. She found Mrs. Delvile alone and still at breakfast. After the first compliments were over, while she was considering in what manner to introduce her proposal, Mrs. Delvile herself led to the subject by saying, "'I am very sorry to hear we are so soon to lose you, but I hope Mr. Harrel does not intend to make any long stay at his villa, for if he does I shall be half tempted to come and run away with you from him.' "'And that,' said Cecilia, delighted with this opening, "'would be an honour I am more than half tempted to desire.' "'Why, indeed, you are leaving London at this time,' continued Mrs. Delvile, "'is for me particularly unfortunate, as if I could now be favoured with your visits, I should doubly value them, for Mr. Delvile is gone to spend the holidays at the Duke of Derwent's, whither I was not well enough to accompany him. My son has his own engagements, and there are so few people I can bear to see that I shall live almost entirely alone.' "'If I,' cried Cecilia, "'in such a situation might hope to be admitted, how gladly for that happiness would I exchange my expedition to Violet Bank.' "'You are very good and very amiable,' said Mrs. Delvile, "'and your society would, indeed, give me infinite satisfaction. "'Yet I am no enemy to solitude. "'On the contrary, company is commonly burthensome to me. "'I find few who have any power to give me entertainment, "'and even of those few the chief part have in their manners, "'situation, or characters, an unfortunate something "'that generally renders a near connection with them "'inconvenient or disagreeable.' There are, indeed, so many drawbacks to regard and intimacy, from pride, from propriety, and various other collateral causes, that rarely as we meet with people of brilliant parts, there is almost ever some objection to our desire of meeting them again. Yet to live wholly alone is cheerless and depressing, and with you at least, taking Cecilia's hand, I find not one single obstacle to oppose to a thousand inducements, which invite me to form a friendship that I can only hope may be as lasting, as I am sure it will be pleasant." Cecilia expressed her sense of this partiality in the warmest terms, and Mrs. Delvile, soon discovering by her manner that she took not any delight in her intended visit to Violet Bank, began next to question her whether it would be possible for her to give it up. She instantly answered in the affirmative. "'And would you really be so obliging,' cried Mrs. Delvile, with some surprise, "'as to bestow upon me the time you had destined for this gay excursion?' "'Most willingly,' answered Cecilia, "'if you are so good as to wish it.' but can you also, for you must by no means remain alone in Portman Square, manage to live entirely in my house till Mr. Barrell's return? To this proposal, which was what she most desired, Cecilia gave a glad assent, and Mrs. Delvile, extremely pleased with her compliance, promised to have an apartment prepared for her immediately. She then hastened home to announce her new plan. This she took occasion to do when the family was assembled at dinner. The surprise with which she was heard was very general. Sir Robert seemed at a loss what conclusion to draw from her information. Mr. Arnott was half elated with pleasure, and half depressed with apprehension. Mrs. Harrel wondered without any other sensation, and Mr. Harrel himself was evidently the most concerned of the party. Every effort of persuasion and importunity he now essayed to prevail upon her to give up this scheme, and still accompany them to the villa but she coolly answered that her engagement with Mrs. Delvile was decided, and she had appointed to wait upon her the next morning. When her resolution was found so steady, a general ill-humour took place of surprise. Sir Robert now had the air of a man who thought himself affronted. Mr. Arnott was wretched from a thousand uncertainties. Mrs. Harrel, indeed, was still the most indifferent, but Mr. Harrel could hardly repress his disappointment and anger. 
Cecilia, however, was all gaiety and pleasure. In removing only from the house of one guardian to another, she knew she could not be opposed, and the flattering readiness with which Mrs. Delvile had anticipated her request, without inquiring into her motives, had relieved her from a situation which now grew extremely distressing, without giving to her the pain of making complaints of Mr. Harrel. The absence of Mr. Delvile contributed to her happiness, and she much rejoiced in having now the prospect of a speedy opportunity to explain to his son whatever had appeared mysterious in her conduct respecting Mr. Belfield. If she had anything to regret, it was merely the impossibility, at this time, of waiting for the counsel of Mr. Monckton. The next morning, while the family was in the midst of preparation for departure, she took leave of Mrs. Harrel, who faintly lamented the loss of her company, and then hastily made her compliments to Mr. Harrel and Mr. Arnott, and putting herself into a chair, was conveyed to her new habitation. Mrs. Delvile received her with the most distinguished politeness, she conducted her to the apartment which had been prepared for her, led her to the library, which she desired her to make use of as her own, and gave her the most obliging charges to remember that she was in a house of which she had the command. Young Delvile did not make his appearance till dinner-time. Cecilia, from recollecting the strange situations in which she had lately been seen by him, blushed extremely when she first met his eyes, but finding him gay and easy, general in his conversation, and undesigning in his looks, she soon recovered from her embarrassment, and passed the rest of the day without restraint or uneasiness. Every hour she spent with Mrs. Delvile contributed to raise in her esteem the mind and understanding of that lady. She found, indeed, that it was not for nothing she was accused of pride, but she found at the same time so many excellent qualities, so much true dignity of mind, and so noble a spirit of liberality, that however great was the respect she seemed to demand, it was always inferior to what she felt inclined to pay. Nor was young Delvile less rapid in the progress he made in her favour. His character, upon every opportunity of showing it, rose in her opinion, and his disposition and manners had a mingled sweetness and vivacity that rendered his society attractive and his conversation spirited. Here, therefore, Cecilia experienced that happiness she so long had coveted in vain. Her life was neither public nor private, her amusements were neither dissipated nor retired, the company she saw were either people of high rank or strong parts, and their visits were neither frequent nor long. The situation she quitted gave a zest to that into which she entered, for she was now no longer shocked by extravagance or levity, no longer tormented with addresses which disgusted her, nor mortified by the ingratitude of the friend she had endeavoured to serve. All was smooth and serene, yet lively and interesting. Her plan, however, of clearing to young Delvile his mistakes concerning Belfield, she could not put in execution, for he now never led to the subject, though he was frequently alone with her, nor seemed at all desirous to renew his former raillery, or repeat his inquiries. She wondered at this change in him, but chose rather to wait the revival of his own curiosity, than to distress or perplex herself by contriving methods of explanation. Situated thus happily, she had now one only anxiety, which was to know whether, and in what manner, Mr. Belfield had received his surgeon, as well as the actual state of his own and his sister's affairs, but the fear of again encountering young Delvile in suspicious circumstances deterred her at present from going to their house. Yet her natural benevolence, which partial convenience never lulled to sleep, impressing her with an apprehension that her services might be wanted, she was induced to write to Miss Belfield, though she forbore to visit her. Her letter was short, but kind, and to the purpose. She apologised for her officiousness, desiring to know if her brother was better, and entreated her, in terms the most delicate, to acquaint her if yet she would accept from her any assistance. She sent this letter by her servant, who, after waiting a considerable time, brought her the following answer. To Miss Beverley. Ah, madam, your goodness quite melts me. We want nothing, however, yet though I fear we shall not say so much longer. 
but though I hope I shall never forget myself so as to be proud and impertinent, I will rather struggle with any hardship than beg, for I will not disoblige my poor brother by any fault that I can help, especially now he has fallen so low. But thank heaven his wound has at last been dressed, for the surgeon has found him out, and he attends him for nothing, though my brother is willing to part with everything he is worth in the world, rather than owe that obligation to him. Yet I often wonder why he hates so to be obliged, for when he was rich himself he was always doing something to oblige other people. But I fear the surgeon thinks him very bad, for he won't speak to us when we follow him downstairs. I am sadly ashamed to send this bad writing, but I dare not ask my brother for any help, because he would only be angry that I wrote anything about him at all. But, indeed, I have seen too little good come of pride to think of imitating it, and as I have not his genius, I am sure there is no need I should have his defects. Ill, therefore, as I write, you, madam, who have so much goodness and gentleness, would forgive it, I believe, if it was worse almost. And though we are not in need of your kind offers, it is a great comfort to me to think there is a lady in the world that, if we come to be quite destitute, and if the proud heart of my poor unhappy brother should be quite broke down, will look upon our distress with pity, and generously help us from quite sinking under it. I remain, madam, with the most humble respect, your ever most obliged humble servant, Henrietta Belfield. Cecilia, much moved by the simplicity of this letter, determined that her very first visit from Portman Square should be to its fair and innocent writer, and having now an assurance that she was in no immediate distress, and that her brother was actually under Mr. Rupil's care, she dismissed from her mind the only subject of uneasiness that at present had endeavoured to disturb it, and gave herself wholly up to the delightful serenity of unalloyed happiness. Few are the days of felicity unmixed which we acknowledge while we experience, though many are those we deplore, when by sorrow taught their value and by misfortune their loss. Time with Cecilia now glided on with such rapidity that before she thought the morning half over, the evening was closed, and ere she was sensible the first week was past, the second was departed for ever. More and more pleased with the inmates of her new habitation, she found in the abilities of Mrs. Delvile sources inexhaustible of entertainment, and in the disposition and sentiments of her son something so concordant to her own that almost every word he spoke showed the sympathy of their minds, and almost every look which caught her eyes was a reciprocation of intelligence. Her heart, deeply wounded of late by unexpected indifference and unreserved mortification, was now perhaps more than usually susceptible of those penetrating and exquisite pleasures which friendship and kindness possess the highest powers of bestowing. Easy, gay, and airy, she only rose to happiness and only retired to rest. And not merely heightened was her present enjoyment by her past disappointment, but carrying her retrospection to her earliest remembrance, she still found her actual situation more peculiarly adapted to her taste and temper than any she had hitherto at any time experienced. The very morning that the destined fortnight was elapsed, she received a note from Mrs. Harrell with information of her arrival in town, and an entreaty that she would return to Portman Square. Cecilia, who, thus happy, had forgot to mark the progress of time, was now all amazement to find the term of her absence so soon passed. She thought of going back with the utmost reluctance, and of quitting her new abode with the most lively regret. The representations of Mr. Monckton daily lost their force, and notwithstanding her dislike of Mr. Delvile, she had no wish so earnest as that of being settled in his family for the rest of her minority. To effect this was her next thought, yet she knew not how to make the proposal, but from the uncommon partiality of Mrs. Delvile she hoped, with a very little encouragement, she would lead to it herself. Here, however, she was disappointed. Mrs. Delvile, when she heard of the summons from the Harolds, expressed her sorrow at losing her in terms of the most flattering regret, yet seemed to think the parting indispensable, and dropped not the most distant hint of attempting to prevent it. 
Cecilia, vexed and disconcerted, then made arrangements for her departure, which she fixed for the next morning. The rest of this day, unlike every other which for the last fortnight had preceded it, was passed with little appearance and no reality of satisfaction. Mrs. Delvile was evidently concerned, her son openly avowed his chagrin, and Cecilia felt the utmost mortification, yet though every one was discontented, no effort was made towards obtaining any delay. The next morning, during breakfast, Mrs. Delvile very elegantly thanked her for granting to her so much of her time, and earnestly begged to see her in future, whenever she could be spared from her other friends, protesting she was now so accustomed to her society that she should require both long and frequent visits to soften the separation. This request was very eagerly seconded by young Delvile, who warmly spoke his satisfaction that his mother had found so charming a friend, and unaffectedly joined in her entreaties that the intimacy might be still more closely cemented. Cecilia had no great difficulty in according her compliance to those demands, of which the kindness and cordiality somewhat lessened her disturbance at the parting. When Mrs. Harrel's carriage arrived, Mrs. Delvile took a most affectionate leave of her, and her son attended her to the coach. In her way downstairs he stopped her for a few moments, and in some confusion said, "'I wish much to apologise to Miss Beverley, before her departure, for the very gross mistake of which I have been guilty. I know not if it is possible she can pardon me, and I hardly know myself by what perversity and blindness I persisted so long in my error.' "'Oh!' cried Cecilia, much rejoiced at this voluntary explanation. "'If you are but convinced you were really in an error, I have nothing more to wish.' appearances indeed were so strangely against me that i ought not perhaps to wonder they deceived you this is being candid indeed answered he again leading her on and in truth though your anxiety was obvious its cause was obscure and where anything is left to conjecture opinion interferes and the judgment is easily warped my own partiality however for mr belfield will i hope plead my excuse as from that and not from any prejudice against the baronet my mistake rose on the contrary, so highly I respect your taste and your discernment that your approbation, when known, can scarcely fail of securing mine. Great as was the astonishment of Cecilia at the conclusion of this speech, she was at the coach-door before she could make any answer. But Delvile, perceiving her surprise, added, while he handed her in, "'Is it possible, but no, it is not possible, I should be again mistaken. I forbore to speak at all till I had information by which I could not be misled.' "'I know not in what unaccountable obscurity,' cried Cecilia, "'I or my affairs may be involved, but I perceive that the cloud which I had hoped was dissipated is thicker and more impenetrable than ever.' Delvile then bowed to her with a look that accused her of insincerity, and the carriage drove away. Teased by these eternal mistakes, and provoked to find that though the object of her supposed partiality was so frequently changed, the notion of her positive engagement with one of the duellists was invariable she resolved with all the speed in her power to commission mr monckton to wait upon sir robert floyer and in her own name gave a formal rejection to his proposals and desire him thenceforward to make known by every opportunity their total independence of each other for sick of debating with mr harrel and detesting all intercourse with sir robert she now dropped her design of seeking an explanation herself she was received by Mrs. Harrel with the same coldness with which she had parted from her. That lady appeared now to have some uneasiness upon her mind, and Cecilia endeavoured to draw from her its cause, but far from seeking any alleviation in friendship, she studiously avoided her, seeming pained by her conversation and reproached by her sight. Cecilia perceived this increasing reserve with much concern, but with more indignation, conscious that her good offices had merited a better reception, and angry to find that her advice had not merely failed of success, but even exposed her to aversion. Mr. Harrel, on the contrary, behaved to her with unusual civility, seemed eager to oblige her, and desirous to render his house more agreeable to her than ever. 
but in this he did not prosper for cecilia immediately upon her return looking in her apartment for the projected alterations and finding none had been made was so disgusted by such a detection of duplicity that he sunk yet lower than before in her opinion and she repined at the necessity she was under of any longer continuing his guest the joy of mr arnott at again seeing her was visible and sincere and not a little was it increased by finding that cecilia who sought not more to avoid mr harrel and sir robert than she was herself avoided by mrs harrel talked with pleasure to nobody else in the house and scarcely attempted to conceal that he was the only one of the family who possessed any portion of her esteem even sir robert appeared now to have formed a design of paying her rather more respect than he had hitherto thought necessary but the violence he did himself was so evident and his imperious nature seemed so repugnant to the task that his insolence breaking forth by starts and checked only by compulsion was but the more conspicuous from his inadequate efforts to disguise it End of chapter nine